You're listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudaman, and joining me from Shanghai, he's been practicing a bizarre new coin toss. It's Darren Burns, left-handed, and he's not in Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, enjoying my Chinese New Year holiday. Thanks, Arun. Yes, left-handed tossing. Um, it seems to have worked for Tim Payne. I think it's the first toss he's won in in many many tosses, seven or eight. I think on the on the trot he's lost. Yeah. yeah, he really brought the pain. He really brought the pain. So it was a yeah. I didn't think it was that strange a coin toss, but the commentators were very excited about it. Well, I think I think on Fox Sports now I'm watching it as I sit here in front of you in the background. The volume turned down, obviously, but they sort of look to you know get into the minutia of everything uh, cricket because there's no breaks, so there's a constant stream of insights and discussions and you know uh, issues that they talk about so i guess this was one of them basically it was a left hand left-handed coin toss um it made a lot of news which is weird <laughs> yeah the technique was quite different from the average coin toss because he didn't apparently flick with his thumb so the coin didn't actually turn over in the air yeah but it did turn when it hit the ground so not not as if you have any control over it at all but it worked tim payne finally won a coin toss and Darren, Australia won a test match. They did. Uh, in the first test against Sri Lanka. So that's, that's something. And they also, in the second test, two centuries. When was the last time that happened? Well, I can't remember the last time it happened. I think the only century last year was, it was Minkawaja, I think, after Newlands. Uh, and this home summer, they haven't scored a century yet until this test match. Against and I don't think they scored any in the UAE, did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, no, Kawaja scored did. one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like a long time ago for Kawaja, who looks horribly out of sorts at the moment. Did he get a golden, he get a golden duck? Oh, he just looked awful. Um, yeah, caught behind, chasing a really, really wide outswinger. I think Michael Vaughan was on commentary when I watched it, and he was berating Usman Kawaja. It was really a horrible shot. He looks. He looks like. He's an interesting player, Kawaja. When he's in, he looks great. When he's out of form, he looks absolutely horrible. And at the moment, he's going for a really lean trot. But we digress. I mean, some of the young guns they've brought into the team have really stood up. Um, I think Travis Head's stature continues to grow. Yep. Some of the, some of the old guns as well. I mean, uh, I, Jacob Burns is not particularly old. Joe Burns. Fourth. Sorry. Joe, no, sorry, Joe no, Burns. no relation, by the it's way. It's a good time. Yeah, it's, it's a good time to be a Burns in cricket, by the way, because Rory Burns is also doing well for England, which we'll talk about later, by the way, when, um, when Toby Doman joins us from his, um, his bunker somewhere else. <laughs> his bunker in Hong Kong. In, in, in Hong Kong. Um, Joe Burns, fourth century in 16 tests. I mean, obviously begs the question why he hasn't been, been picked uh, more regularly. Uh, but both both he and Travis Head scoring centuries in this second test, very welcome. Um, how did you rate Australia's first test performance when they when they blew away Sri Lanka? Really? Well, it was very good. I mean, first of all, playing a pink ball test at the Gabba is probably not the way to go. Um, at the best of times, the Gabba is a pretty seam friendly wicket, uh, and Pat Cummings steaming in against a pretty inexperienced Sri Lankan attack, picking up ten wickets for sixty six. Um, he just blew through the. Blew through them. What I liked about Pat Cummins, though, who is moving the ball both ways. So he was moving it into the left-hander, away from the left-hander, and the same with the right. So it was a very impressive spell from him. I think he's finally got his seam in the right position. So it was it was really impressive. 
yeah, they, they just had no answers. They're all the Sri Lankans. I mean, they barely stru- struggled. I think Dick Weller did okay in the first dig. You know, but apart from that, they looked hopelessly all at sea. Yeah, some problems in the Sri Lankan camp, which we'll get to in a second. It's great for Cummins, uh, a player who has struggled with struggled with injuries for a long time in his career. And I think many people have wondered whether he'd actually get a sustained run at the highest level. Um, but, you know, I would say he's probably exceeding all expectations at the moment, right? I mean, he's uh, he's such a complete cricketer and he seems so fit as well. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable, actually, how well he's Yeah, knock on wood, he is fit. I mean, he's, he's developing his batting as well. So, I mean, he's a complete player. He's a great fielder, great athlete. By all accounts, he's like a pretty decent guy. People are talking about him being becoming uh, Australian cricket captain, maybe prime minister. Um, <laughs> there's lots of, you know, there's lots of there's lots of tickets on him at the moment. So he's he's riding high. So hopefully he stays fit for England next year for the World Cup and for the Ashes. He wants to follow in David Warner's political footsteps. Yeah, he does. So maybe they could run on a ticket together, president and vice president. I can't. <laughs> I can't see him running on a ticket with David Warner somehow. <laughs> Neither can I. Um, but I, just just back to the to, to the second test, um, you know, I, I mean, Sri Lanka are just horrible. I I think they dropped four catches yesterday, pretty easy catches. They were turning twos into threes in the in the field with poor ground fielding. You know, at one stage there in the last session, Australia was scoring at just under six and over for about an hour or so. So yeah, they look they're, they're just hopeless at the moment. And of course, there's a lot of off the field shenanigans going on as well, isn't there? There is, and I think an, an early, an early contender, if you like, for um, for our for our regular honours. I mean, both 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 our regular honours, whether that's Muppet of the Week or Quote of the Week. I mean, you know, last year we we had the the, the postcards or the letters uh, between Angelo Matthews and the SLC, <laughs> which was which was very entertaining. They were, but now the latest tiff in Sri Lankan cricket is between. Um, Tanya Pereira, Lasith Malinga's wife, and um, Thisada Pereira, no, no relation. Um, Tanya Pereira taking the rather unusual step of criticizing Thisada Pereira via a Facebook post. Not entirely sure what was going on there. Thisada Pereira has, has published an open letter in response, or rather sent a letter to the SLC and then decided to publish it, because that seems to be how things are done these days in Sri Lanka. You can't send a letter without publishing it. Publishing it first, yeah. Yeah, and um, in this letter he says, and I quote, we are becoming the laughing stock of the country. Which is um, pretty strong words, but maybe he's not wrong. It's, it's not exactly a, it's not a good look for Sri Lankan cricket, let's say. There always seems to be some sort of drama going yeah, on. Yeah, it's such a pity too. I mean, there's such a talented, talented bunch of cricketers. Yeah, they've dropped the coach in the last year. Uh, the Angelo Matthews, the whole shenanigans around him. Uh, you know, they, they've sent one of their best bowlers home with a side strain, that it, you know, a lower back strain, which seems suspicious to me. Um, Lakmal, um, he, he was he was ruled out the morning of the test. So, so obviously, there's a lot of dissent going on in the team at the moment, and it's showing on the field. Obviously, you know, in Australia on the tour. So, yeah, hopefully they get their stuff together before the World Cup. But that looks unlikely. <laughs> I think it looks unlike, unlikely, and, and, and to be honest, I'm not convinced Lasith Malinga is the best leadership option for the limited overs team. You know, wonderful player, uh, particularly at his peak, very experienced. But, 
never struck me as someone with a lot of leadership qualities, often seemed to have a lot of problems with authority. And it seems clear he's not exactly uniting the team around him. I mean, Tisada Pereira is an important player, was in fact previously a captain of the limited overs team, although many Sri Lankans have been captain at one point or another, it seems, these days. But anyway, back to the test match. Tell me about this Australian batsman who I must confess I'd never heard of, who is currently batting on uh, 75 not out, Curtis Patterson. So Curtis Patterson has been around for a few years. Um, he's in red-hot form uh, this season. He reminds me of a left-handed Michael Vaughan, actually, if you look at him bat right now. Um, he, he was selected for the tour match against Sri Lanka, and he scored 200s uh, in that match. Um, and he wasn't even in the squad, but they rushed him into the squad. So what I think what they're trying to do is look for some of the young talent. Um, that He's been in and around the team for years, get him in when he's in form. I must say he looks pretty good. He looks like he knows his game quite well. Um, so he's batting well at the moment, but let's see. I mean, I guess they're throwing a lot of options around for the Ashes next year uh, in England. He looks like he could be there. He looks like a, a compact player. Again, I think Marcus Harris looked good before he got out again. So another younger guy who's coming to the team who looks like he's well at home at test level. Manus Labashane, despite his first-class average, has actually looked pretty, pretty good, I thought. Um, in his appearances for Australia in the, over the last six months. Um, so I, I think there's some good signs there. And if you have, you know, uh, Smith coming back in, perhaps Warner, the batting is looking a bit better. What I do worry about, though, is the seam conditions uh, in England. I think Joe Burns, he doesn't look like a great player of swing bowling. He sort of pokes out at the ball a lot. Um, but if he works on that a bit, he, he's experienced now. So, you know, back to your point earlier about, you know, Burns being dropped a couple of times, but what I think it does give them uh, is that experience of playing international cricket, going out back to first-class cricket, coming back into the team again. Uh, I think this happened to a lot of players, right? It happened to um, uh, Matthew Hayden, Justin Langer. They were all brought in very young and they were dropped and then brought back into the team. And they had that, ex Damian Martin, they had that experience when they came back. So um, let's see how it goes. They seem to have a pretty good, list of bowlers. I think Jai Richardson has come into the team and he did well at the Gabba. He's an exciting prospect, a fast bowler. Um, so it, uh, it's, it's, it's looking better, although I must say it's hard to judge against this Sri Lankan team who yesterday afternoon, it, it, it reminded me of batting against the Shanghai, you know, first 11 team. They were bowling up in the high twenties, you know, up and down on the wicket. That's quite flat. So not much, not much to, um, to write home about, but still you can only play who's in front of you, as you mentioned earlier. Right. Bit, bit harsh on the Shanghai first 11 team. <laughs> <laughs> like club bowlers. Yeah, well. Uh, Mitchell Stark, a lot of questions con con continuing around his form. Didn't bowl especially well in the first test. Um, suggestions he may not get the new ball. You know, more criticism from Shane Warne. Where do we see Mitchell Stark? Oh, by the way, my wife has asked me why I needed to goad you quite so much about Sandpaper Gate on the last podcast. <laughs> so um, you mean your wife be... listens to the podcast? She does. Yeah, she, well, she does. That's great. Um, yeah. Well, you know. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I haven't. I haven't asked her to listen to it, but but um, it's good. We take the fans wherever we find them. Dad, we, we certainly do. And actually, to be honest, most of our fans probably are our friends and family. If we're quite well, afraid. hey, but it was good enough to get us on our first listicle, let's not forget. We were a listicle, weren't we? 
Yeah, top 15 cricket podcasts. Top 15. I don't know yeah. how we did it. Hey, um, well, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think that guy was, the guy was a friend of yours, right, who wrote the list? Um, no, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. No idea who wrote the list, uh, but we came in fifth. So well done to all so, of us. So any listeners um, out there who would like to put us on a listicle, please feel free and go ahead. <laughs> yeah, or just, just create your own list. Yeah, just please do, yeah. In fact, a list of one would probably be the best. Um, the best, the best, and only podcast. Back anyway, to Mitchell back Stark. To, yeah, back to Mitchell Stark. <laughs> it's not obviously. It's not as simple as no sandpaper equals no results. But he does seem to have lost something. Look, Mitchell Stark is probably the best white, one of the best white ball fast bowlers in the world, um, and they've kept him away from that for quite a while. At the moment, in in red ball, he seems to be bowling both sides of the wicket. He's getting through at good pace, but he's just not disciplined or accurate enough. I don't know what's going on with him. Whether it's something to do with his with the wrist position on the ball, or he's just not getting through the crease very well, but he, he just looks like he's got no rhythm at the moment. Probably the best thing for him is to get him back into the white ball cricket and build his confidence up. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Mitchell Johnson's kind of travails. You know, he'd blow hot hot and cold. Um, but, you know, they seemed like quite, they're, they're reasonably different bowlers and, you know, obviously different people. I think just because they're, they're left arm quick, it's easy to to lump them in together. So I'm thinking the Ashes, you know, he, he's probably going to be in the team, but they'll probably bring in someone like Tremaine or Siddle, who's sort of a seam bowler. Um, and, and I think Siddle did quite well last time in, in the Ashes, and I think he could be back on the team as a bolter as well, perhaps, to, to bowl with Cummins and if Hazelwood's fit. So they've got a few options there. I think they'll per- persevere with him for a while. But yeah, he just looks like he's not, he's just not getting through the crease and not in rhythm at the moment. Yeah, it's probably mental. Another big... Concern for Australia, uh, Will Pukowski, who's um, who's dropped out of the squad. Um, this is of, I think, considerable concern. You know, as a young man, twenty years old, a lot of talent, but obviously he's he's faced uh, mental health issues at various points. Picked for the squad, um, and then left out of the eleven. There's some suggestions that, that this, you know, this this didn't help. Um, and he's he's dropped out of the squad. I don't I don't know if there's much more you know about this. Well, of course, all the commentators are calling for a you know a, a, an explanation. I don't think anything is necessary to be honest. And they can shove it right. Um, the guy's obviously you know got mental health issues, so leave him alone, right? Um, these guys were go, you know going at it yesterday on the commentary saying they demand an explanation. You know why is he not on the team? I don't I don't think there is an explanation needed. Obviously, you know the team doctor. Uh, and those people feel that he's not ready for international cricket and let him go home and rest for a while. So I, I think good on him. I hope he's, I hope he, you know, can get through it. He's an exciting prospect, only 20 years old. So I, I think let him be. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that I don't think he owes anyone an explanation, but I th- I've noticed a, you know, a few Australian journalists on Twitter, uh, and I probably tend to agree with them. They, they've just asked, you know, what, what exactly have have Trevor Hones and Greg Chappell and Justin Langer uh, perhaps been telling this guy and has this has that contributed to this state of affairs because you know they have to be careful I think and I think that's a valid question I think the question of why they selected him in the first place is, is a potential issue you know he just not, not long ago he he kind of had a bit of a breakdown and he he wanted to take a break from cricket and they've kind of rushed him back into the team uh, maybe the pressure of that, I don't know, has gotten to him or he, he's not coped with it very well. And I'm not sure. That's all speculation. Um, but it did seem at the time when he was selected, people, it did raise a lot of eyebrows, of course. 
Yeah. Well, the, the speculation, and again, it is only speculation, but it is, it's from Australian journalists who I assume have, have more insight into this, um, is that he was told he'd, he'd make the 11, and then he wasn't, and then he didn't. And of course, I mean, you know, that does raise some questions about the way he's being treated, I think, given his history. Yeah, that's, that's, that's speculation. I it think, is speculation, I, think, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, I think when he was brought in, the idea was that he would play. And then maybe they saw something that they thought, you know, it wasn't the right time for him to play. I'm not sure. Anyway, I really hope he gets all the help he needs. Um, you know, this is much more important than cricket. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see him back in the Australian colours at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think Justin Langer said that, you know, he, he, he came onto ABC Grandstand and said that it was, it was sad. And, you know, he, he's put his hand up and it, it showed great courage for the young guy. So... I think there was obviously a feeling that maybe he wouldn't handle the pressure, perhaps, or that he wasn't ready to go into international cricket. All right. So, before we move over to... Oh, actually, yeah, let's move over to South Africa, shall we? Sure. Before Toby Derman joins us. So, South Africa-Pakistan, one-day series. South Africa won 3-2. Very, very exciting matches, I thought, in this series. Yeah, there were. I watched some highlights in a few of them. Uh, 3-2 was a scoreline in the end to South Africa, but um, some, some great matches there, you're right. Well contested, and I thought both quite well for Pakistan in particular um, for the World Cup. I thought they looked pretty good. They seemed to have the pieces in place. I mean, knowing Pakistan, anything can happen. But I would be, you know, it's the classic Pakistan dark horse for the World Cup. Yeah. I think it just shows the difference between their white ball form and the, and the, and the red ball form. And they were comprehensively thrashed uh, three zip in the test series, but they were competitive all the way through the, the ODI series. So again, they really are a, you know, they're really a mixed bag, aren't they? They've got some great talent. Uh, and on that day, they can beat anybody for sure. You know, Baba Azam was impressive. I thought, you know, Shaheen Afridi again, Usman Shinwari, by the way, who was, who's had a sensational big bash. Uh, and they brought him, they flew him over from the Big Bash to play the series, and he's done really well as well. So, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it does look good. Tell you who else looks good for the World Cup, Darren. Who's that? It's your favourites, the boys in blue, Team India. <laughs> is, is that all we're talking about with that series? Are we moving on? <laughs> well, <laughs> so quickly. Well, hey, dealt with we, so quickly. We, we, we've dealt with the, the key issues. In the, in the South Africa, we'll, we'll well we'll come back when we discuss Muppet of the Week, perhaps to one Safraz Ahmed. Uh, India, New Zealand. India was scorching hot, dispatching New Zealand in the first two matches, and then getting bowled out for ninety two. Once Virat Kohli decided he'd had enough. Yeah, comprehensively outplayed in the fir- in the first three ODIs, weren't they? Basically, they were they were thrashed, really. Yeah. And surprisingly, I mean, we thought New Zealand would give. India a, a run for their money. New Zealand a very good one day team in their home conditions, and yet India just seemed to be seemed to have picked up momentum um, from that tour to Australia. And let's be quite frank, that, that the fourth ODI in Hamilton. I mean, that was a really really seam friendly pitch. The ball was swinging a lot. I, I don't think we'll see too many games like that in the World Cup where the ball's moving around like that. But yeah, I think every now and again you see it. E- England do the same thing in white ball cricket, right? They, they score three hundred or, or four hundred, then all of a sudden they get blown away for eighty or ninety. And I think if you're going hard at the ball all the time, that's what happens. But um, yeah, Shikha Darwin played very well. Ross Taylor, he just keeps keeps keeping on, doesn't he? I mean, 
Yeah. He's been written off a couple of times, but he's in the form of his life at the moment. Yeah. Oh, he's he's definitely in, in the one-day team, world one-day team right he, now. He definitely there's is. No, there's no he's question. A gun. He's He's playing brilliantly. Um, I'll tell you who else is playing brilliantly. MS Dhoni. I never doubted him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. We, we, we do diverge a lot on this. I, you know, if you look, people used to talk about one day cricket or 2020 cricket being about young people and, you know, young guys and all that stuff. It, it's really about experience. And he does hold that middle order together. And you're not always going to be coming in, you know, at 120 for two after, you know, 20 overs. You're sometimes going to be coming in in a bit of trouble. And he's the guy you want there, I believe, batting for your life uh, in the middle order there. And if, and if things are going quite well, you know, if, they, if they're doing really well, they might drop him down or don't let him bat, right? Um, but you do need that sort of backstop like a Joe Root or a Steve Smith uh, in the middle order. Yeah, I'm coming around to that point of view, to be honest. And I, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to admit I'm, I may have been wrong on this. But I did, you know, my, my concern about MS Dhoni is really when India are going to chase a big total. You know, I think he's fine when, it, when there's a smallish total on the horizon. But when, when India are chasing a total of up, upwards of 350, I just, I do worry that he is one player in that lineup that I don't think can consistently score at a very high strike rate. Um, and I sort of think you need all of your top seven, seven to be able to, to, to bat at above 120 um, on the strike rate chart. Uh, that's my concern, really. But like you said, he brings so much more to the table. Um, he's just such a cool customer that the tactical know-how he's got, and he, you know, he still he doesn't really blink under pressure. Yeah, I, I think Coley's been very clear about this, hasn't he? he? He's always said that he it's not about his batting only; it's it's the knowledge of the game that he brings. You know, his canny field placings, his, his understanding of big moments in a game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have him for the World Cup. Yeah, um, India spinner's been bowling really well. Uh, Kuldeep Yadav, of course. Um, Yuzvendra Chahal has, has actually done well coming back into the team. Um, he has his own TV channel as well. Who, who does? Yuzvendra Chahal. Does he? Yeah, what, it's what called he, Chahal what? TV. It's not Coffee with Chahal, is it? No, 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 it's, it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> well, may, maybe maybe that's what he aspires to. I don't know. You know, We can, we, we, we can only dream of such heights. Uh, it's on YouTube, Chahal TV. And anyway, he's, he's invited... Uh, He's had several of the Indian team on there, but one guy he hasn't had on there is MS Dhoni, who's apparently turned him down. Mm. Playing hard to get, huh? Well, um, MS Dhoni is, is way too cool to do he's way too TV cool. shows. It's above, that's, beneath, that's way beneath him. <laughs> it really is. It's, a, it's, it's, it's in the basement, B3. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, if he had to ask Suresh Raina, if he had to like go through... you know, The right channels. <laughs> yeah, the right, the, right, the right channels. And make sure he had the MS question Dhoni. list censored in advance. Um, anyway, that's a no for Chahal, but but he's bowling well, so so that augurs well. Mohamed Shami is is looking good. Oh, I was going to say that he continues to impress, doesn't he? Um, picking up seven wickets for the series so far, he, he's looking great. Yeah, he looks fit. He, he, he's, he looks fit. He looks consistent, and I'm glad Bhuvneshwar Kumar is getting some time out there. He, he's kind of one of those workhorse bowlers, isn't he? He reminds me a bit of a Merv Hughes that he comes in and he just he just hit the wicket really hard. Um, like a real workhorse. He'll give you like 10 overs in a test match uh, in a one-day game. He'll come and make something happen out of nothing. Uh, he's super impressive. Yeah, runs in hard, you know, every ball. I think, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's shaping, shaping up well. So India, I would say, 
I mean, I, I mean, the only concern, I guess, is whether they maybe they're peaking a little too early, but they're looking better than I expected going into the World Cup. So, so that augurs well, right? Oh, I think we have Toby Doman on the line. Toby, good morning. How are you both? Tobes, better than the England team. How how is England? They're on holiday. They're on holiday over there, aren't they? They've gone tropo. I think I feel a bit more chipper than Stuart Broad this morning. <laughs> I have to say, excellent. So, Toby, give us the lowdown on. England in West Indies after gloriously dispatching Sri Lanka in one of the great results for English sport over the last, let's say, 12 months. Uh, they've come a cropper in, in the West Indies, bowled out for what, 77? Yeah, it's a, where do you start? I mean, there's a, there's a whole host of problems, aren't there, really, for, for England? I mean, it started badly, this tour of three tests in the West Indies and Barbados pretty much hammered and then expecting to come back strongly in Antigua and look there's been a spicy pitch let's just say that at the outset but it's the same pitch for two sides and I think the difference between uh, England and the West Indies from the batting performance is what Sir Geoffrey would say application just sticking it in and <laughs> application you know sticking in for you know hours and hours and the West Indians have done that and England haven't and I think one of the things just stepping back to selection I think Ed Smith's got a lot of problems on his hands at the moment because, as you say, after Sri Lanka, people were pretty buoyant about England's chances. It was a good touring victory against, admittedly, a quite weak Sri Lankan side in transition. But if you look down the down the England squad, they just put Joe Denley in uh, for debut at 32. Alistair Cook retired at 33. Uh, and this, this chap hasn't played any Red Bull cricket of note and has been put in on a pretty, uh, as I say, spicy track in Antigua and has fallen for six in the first innings. Uh, Sam Curran, is he a batsman or is he a bowler? And I think on this particular track, we need someone with height to extract some of that bounce. Whereas I think there's a ridge down the down the, down the the track, which is helpful for taller bowlers. Curran is, is quite short and slow, relatively. Uh, Folks is injured, um, which causes problems with what you do with young Johnny Bairstow. Um, Joss Butler's out of form. So lots of problems for Ed Smith. Yeah. Um the selection in the first test was quite heavily criticised. I wonder what you think about that. I mean, you know, dropping Stuart Broad was an interesting decision. I guess placing a lot of pressure on Sam Curran to be a frontline bowler, um, and then of course picking two spinners uh, didn't seem to work out very well for England. No, Ed Smith's trademark at the moment, and since taking over as at the ECB, has been pulling rabbits out of hats selection-wise. Adil Rashid had quit Red Bull cricket and had been brought back, and it sort of worked out, I guess, last year and hasn't this year. He looks short on confidence. Uh, when Moeen doesn't fire, the rest of the the lineup looks flaky. He had a decent decent outing in the last uh, innings, of course. But yeah, Sam Curran's not an opening test bowler for sure. And I think Stuart Broad was mightily cheesed off at being left out. And he's, he's, I, I read yesterday actually that the, the ball beat the bat in the West Indian innings 103 times. And Broad got three wickets and probably should have had a five foot. But he's obviously fired up. But yeah, leaving him out, I think was a, a big error. Well, I think West Indian, I mean, I think at least three chances were dropped off Broad. But I also wonder if England bowled a little short. I mean, usually when, when you beat the bat that often, it means bowling fractionally short, I think, because um, it's doing it's almost doing too much, right? You need to maybe pitch it up a little bit more. I think, you know, guys, I think you've also got to praise the West Indies. I mean, they've gone about this series very well. It's not like they've, they're these rabbits, right? They've really stuck in. If you look at how many balls they faced, uh, Bravo, 
um, 33 off 165 yesterday. I mean, all the top order like that. They've scored 30s, 40s, and 50s. They put a high price on their wicket. They've been lucky. And England have been shocking in the field. I think four drop catches that I noticed and a host of half chances, wasted reviews on the DRS. Yeah, it just hasn't really gone their way, has it? But, but West Indies are playing well. They're playing really well. I like the bowlers. The bowlers have been fantastic. I've been, look, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm not a massive uh, connoisseur of current West Indian cricket, but the, this side has really surprised me, and I think it surprised a lot of pundits as well. Kamal Roach and Shannon Gabriel have been bowling with application. They bowl regularly, upper 80s, low 90s when they want to. And they're, they're no frills. They're not like a flashy side, but they do the, the basics really, really well, and I think they've surprised a lot of people. I think the West Indies should take a lot of heart from this team because um, you know it's, it's they've had some really tough times West Indian cricket as we all know but this team can't be praised enough I think you know they, they, they're quite young quite a young team captained by Jason Holder who you know batted magnificently in the first test we didn't mention Jason Holder when we were talking about the best cricketers of 2018 but you know he's the really the best all-rounder of the year if you if you look at his averages so, so they have that going for them yeah, and just that first test, I mean, he came in with Dowridge and the score was, was uh, 120 for six. And they put on 300 partnership. He scored 202 not out. It's crazy. And, and I think to Tobe's point, I mean, what really happened was having Sam Curran and Stokes' main bowling options with Anderson and then Moe and Rashid Root and Jennings bowling as well. I mean, it was a pretty – once they got in, I think they, they fancied their chances and they really cashed in there. Yeah. Um, Kimar Roach, who has had a lot of injury problems. I mean, he was such an exciting prospect when he burst onto the scene. I remember him, was he broke Ricky Ponting's elbow back in, back in, or a decade ago. Um, but he's now back. He's bowling really consistently and he's getting, he's got this, he's got the speed. Um, Shannon Gabriel really looks like a handful. I really, I like the look of Alzari Joseph as well. Um, and you know, Royston Chase ran through England. Um, in the first test, and but the, the batting as well. I mean, some, some some talented young batsmen there. Shy Hope, you know, perhaps most prominently, Craig Brathwaite is a you know looks like a proper old school opener. Uh, and I like the the wicketkeeper as well, Dowrich, um, and the youngster Hetmeyer. So I think there's a lot there's a lot to be positive about. I guess the risk for West Indies is that all these players just take off to the 2020 leagues. Well, I think some of them have come back, right? So Bravo's Darren Bravo's back on the team. You know, hopefully they can bring some of them back because uh, on current form they look, look like a good team. They really do. Yeah. Yeah, I like them. I think uh, Jason Holder is a fine captain. I mean, he's what eight foot tall or something like that. No, maybe he's not. Massive. But um, and he only bowls one twenties. Yeah, but at that height, <laughs> but, it's, it's it's fast enough. He's a big lad, but he's very softly spoken. He's very um, commanding. He took over the team, I think, as a 23, 24 year old, and the side was in a parlous state. And so he's done really, really well. And just the background on West Indian cricket, you know, domestically, there's huge competition amongst the islands. It's very difficult to have a sort of unified approach to West Indian cricket, and that's shown itself over the years. He's managing to do a really good job of knitting together you know Bajans and Antiguans and Trinidadians amongst them and I think he obviously hit a double century that's only the third player ever to hit a double century in a test from a number eight position so he's a fantastic talent who's coaching West Indies right now I can't recall that's a very good question no but I I think they seem to have a good spirit at the moment they seem playing as as a team there seems to be a lot of unity on the field as you mentioned Tobes often they they sort of fall apart a bit and there's a bit of infighting and tribalism um, depending on where people come from, but they seem to be really uniting at the moment. Richard Richard Pibus, I think, is the coach. Oh. Yeah, 
He's been he's been around. Um, yeah, he has. He's he's done the circuits. He was Pakistan coach, Bangladesh coach before. He was. He was. Yeah. Maybe he's found his mojo. And they have Nick Nick Potas as well, former South African cricketer, who's uh, on the, on the coaching staff. So they've got yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe they're also benefiting from the fact that some of the some of the sort of superstars of West Indian cricket over the last few years are not involved in this team. Um, so they don't have the problem with egos, I think, which which has been an issue for West Indian cricket in the past. What do you think? One one thing that's sort of away from the from the game itself is the popularity of cricket in the West Indies. I think I was reading Mike Atherton in the Times saying that uh, Antigua has three Test venues. Um, one that's dilapidated, which is the wreck where Brian Lara scored his record-breaking innings, and he said now that it's just football pitches, like soccer pitches, and when you look at the crowd at the test, it's it's 80% England supporters. It's a bit of a shame, really, that it, it just doesn't seem to be that grassroots interest in cricket anymore. Yeah, I think it's a real concern. I think it was the same story in Barbados as well. Um, you know, largely British crowd. Um, and I think, I mean, one of the things I have read is that, you know, the, the, the board... West Indian Cricket Board just doesn't have the funding to invest in grassroots cricket. Um, so I think we could, you could probably ask some questions about the, how the ICC is distributing its money. And in particular, you could ask some questions about the big three, Australia, England and India, which, which take the lion's share of the ICC money. Of course, they do generate the lion's share of the money, but that doesn't help a, a, a board like the West Indies, which needs all the help it can get, I think, to compete with, uh, in particular, um, football and, and basketball for, for the attention of youngsters, right? Well, they need to build on this, I think, because it, I, I, I can't see England coming back from this. I think West Indies overnight have a lead of about 80, which in the context of a low-scoring game on a juicy pitch is probably going to be decisive. So I think West Indies will probably take a 2-0 unassailable lead in the series. And that, again, England have never won in Antigua, so they don't look like turning that over again soon. Yeah. Never, never say never, Tobes. You never know. <laughs> Typical British pessimism. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, how, does this worry you at all uh, for the Ashes, Toby? Because, you know, Broad and Anderson not amongst the wickets particularly. Uh, Sam Curran, more difficult second year, obviously. Uh, and then, of course, the continuing questions about England's batting lineup um, at the top of the order. And, you know, this, this focus, I guess, on bits and pieces cricketers, which has always been an issue for England. Yeah, I heard this. I heard this phrase, "total cricket." You know, this sort of uh, application of Johan Cruyff's total football from Barcelona and Ajax to cricket, which is uh, clearly rubbish. And so, I think England need to sort of ditch that policy. And if you look at the selection issues that England have coming into this World Cup year, coming into the Ashes, um, Sanjay Mandrake has been writing some quite uh, spiky pieces actually, and having a little bit of a spat with Michael Vaughan on Twitter, which I'm quite enjoying. Um, but Sanjay is basically making a very good point that if you look at lots of the ways that the, the top, bat, you know, the elite batsmen in the England lineup talk about themselves, they say they want to bat a position lower, which means they're lacking in confidence. And you know Joe Root, Joe Root doesn't want to bat at, at three. Well, it's not about who wants to bat where; it's about doing the best thing for the side. And having this imbalance is causing problems. So there's a possible um, sort of molly coddling of some of the top batsmen, which is causing some of these issues. And they need to be ironed out. Back to your point, Arun, about the bowling. I mean, there's no successor really lined up for when uh, Jimmy Anderson finally hangs his boots up. Um, Broad's at sort of 33 now, I think. So he's got another couple of years maximum. Where who, who's who? Well, yeah, sure, it's run up, but I mean, is he, if he stays injury free. So going into the Ashes, I think, you know, uh, Wokes will be back, but he's not exactly of the same calibre yet as the, as the two openers. So I think 
for off the back of the Sri Lanka victory, people were buoyant in the England setup. I think what a difference at all makes, yeah. right? Um, yeah, Sanjay Mandraka, very critical of English cricket. He was really going going all in. I think um, I think Michael whatever Michael Vaughan said really roused the uh, the ire of Sanjay Mandraka. I mean, he did make some good points, but. There was some stuff in there that I thought was a little gratuitous. I mean, I can't see Sanjay Mandraker asking Virat Kohli to move up the order. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Quite or, right or, or rubbish, Astri. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's Ravi been up to? What did I miss? <laughs> He's been really quiet. I think he must be uh, just enjoying the, 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 maybe the, enjoying the scene in New Zealand. Some nice New Zealand wines, maybe? some nice pinots and... Some seafood and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's really deep in the Southern Hemisphere. So who are we to question him? That's right. From different hemispheres. <laughs> from different, so from, I can question him because I'm now in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, you can. Is, wow. <laughs> that's the rule, right? The hemispheric rule. That's the hemispheric rule. Yeah, you've crossed You, you, can't, the, throw, you can't shoot blanks. You can't shoot blanks <laughs> from a million miles away. Okay. I remember I remember seeing uh, just a, a short so I remember seeing Ravi Shastri in Calcutta actually. I went to a went to a bar after uh we watched I was there to watch some cricket actually and went to a bar and Why he did was you do holding, the commas holding court. to watch some cricket. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll take this one offline. Okay. But uh but Ravi was definitely holding court he was in, in the this bar. bar. Yeah, oh, wow. he was standing at the, the side of the bar. It was quite dark with sort of disco lights going on, and I really wanted to go over and talk to him. But actually, he had this presence that he might just knock my head off, so I didn't bother. So he's quite a, quite a character. What was he drinking, did you see? Um, his party were drinking Kingfisher. I can't actually tell what he was drinking, I'll be honest. Glad to see it. Uh, well, that's pretty. That's a pretty great story. I don't think we can top that one. So should we just move straight to... Um, uh, let's go with quote of the week. And Muppet of the Week. So what have we got? What contenders? I've got a couple for um, for Quote of the Week, which I, I, I've got to say, Darren, it's pretty slim pickings over the last yeah, couple we, of I, weeks. Yeah, I sort of had a look through it. I mean, there are a couple of contenders for Muppets, aren't there? Probably the English cricket team at the moment. Yep. Um, enjoying their holiday over there in uh, the West Indies. Just at the lunch break here in the cricket on Fox Sports, they were showing Michael Vaughan some, some of the uh, – English players frolicking in the ocean. They claimed it was after stumps yesterday, but I'm not sure if it was. Oh, you think yeah, it they're, was? They're, you think they took off during the game, perhaps? Well, well, well Jimmy Anderson <laughs> had a holiday, didn't he? I think Jimmy Anderson <laughs> went went there early and had a holiday. Um, uh, he was talking about it on his podcast, right? How they love touring there. It's a great atmosphere. It's like a holiday. It's like a resort. So maybe they brought that attitude to the to the to the test. Yeah, maybe. I would I would probably nominate Safraz Ahmed. As Muppet of the Week, um, yeah, made we can't a, go past that. Yeah, very uh, un, un, unpleasant, unedifying comment about the South African bowler whose name I can never pronounce. But Darren, I think you can. Fulawiko. Thank you very much. Safraz did apologise several times. Even met with Andre to uh, to kind of have a, a sort of public and re- deal. reconciliation. And deal, sorry, but still banned four matches and and. Well deserved, I think. There should be zero tolerance for this kind of stuff, regardless of how accepted it is in Pakistan. So I think he should win it this week. I think he does win it too. He does, all right. It's a much more serious issue. Yeah. Quote of the week. I mean, I really like Thisara, really. Um, We have become the laughingstock of a whole country, all because of one person's personal vendetta. And that wasn't about the Australian cricket team, right? It could have been. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's probably the quote. We, we, it was a bit slim pickings for quotes. We couldn't get a Ravi, Ravi Shastri. We, I was trying to find something from him. 
that we could use, but um, not, nothing really, really good there. No, the only other one I liked was, um, was Stuart Broad, just saying, I feel a bit lost as to how we only got six wickets, to be brutally honest. Um, but it's not quite up there with we, we are the... Well, bowl better, I think, is the answer to that. Yeah, bowl feel, better. <laughs> maybe feel better too. Feel better, yeah. <laughs> do, you get, do you get the feeling that he often feels lost? It's just kind of an odd thing to say. I mean, I feel a bit lost. I don't know. I'm assuming he knows where he is. Um, I think he's asking for a batting miracle to his knee. Yeah, well, they need one. Um, but yeah, I think Fisara probably probably he's looking for. He's called for a batting hero. Yes, they need. We several. need someone to. We need someone to be a bit of a hero with the bat to get us to a competitive total. I, I think I, I probably share Toby's pessimism on this score. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. All right, excellent. So, unless we have any other business, I think that probably brings us to the end of this episode. Well, thank you very much, Toby. Thanks for having me back. Nice to see you all. Thanks, Darren. We will uh, see you. catch up with you after um, after your holiday. Happy Chinese New Year, Kung Hei Fat Choi. Uh, to all Happy of our, New Year. Yeah, to all of our listeners. Gong in, Shi uh, Fa Tai. Indeed, in yeah. Mandarin. Beautiful tones there, Darren. <laughs> to, to all of our listeners... In this part of the world, we'll be back after the holiday.